with you. Thank you. There's so much more. And I was like, I just, I need to disseminate this. Like this, it, this it's just so bizarre and, and dangerous. You have the strength within yourself to stand up for the truth. And just about the time that you feel like giving up is exactly the time that you need to fight back harder. All right, happy to be uh, joined today by Chaya Reichik, who of course runs the account Libs of TikTok. And um, Chaya, I know that I'm, I'm, I am definitely mispronouncing your name, aren't I, to start with? <laughs> it's pronounced Chaya, but whatever works. Chaya? So is Chaya fine? So it's from the fro. It's, it's like okay. it's Chaya. Well, but um, I'm not a lib. I'm not going to have a breakdown if someone done names me. So don't worry. <laughs> okay. Uh, so and don't take it personally. I, infamously, I am uh, too stupid to pronounce almost anyone's name at all. So um, now we've uh, we've communicated behind the scenes quite a bit over the last couple of years. It's the first time uh, that you've that we've uh, done any kind of interview. And so I'm I'm interested to kind of want to talk about things that are happening obviously right now. But um, I'm interested to go back first to get a little bit of your background. Like, how did you, you know, you started, of course, with, with the account Libs of TikTok. Uh, wh- why did you decide to first open up that account? And what did you, what did you envision it would become? I can't imagine that you thought it'd be as big as it, uh, as it turned out to be. Uh, no, I never envisioned this. That's for sure. So I started during COVID because um, I couldn't work anymore at my job. Um, we were locked in our homes basically i was in california at the time so it was pretty pretty draconian we literally did i did not leave my house for weeks on end and i was never really into politics so much and that's when i started getting interested and paying attention because we had there was people making decisions for us telling us we can't leave our homes or work and i'm just like what's going on like so i started I, so I opened a Twitter account then and I started just uh, paying attention, reading up, listening to to podcasts and, and watching the news and, and reading books and all that stuff. Um, and then I started noticing that all of these videos would go viral on Twitter about COVID mainly. So it was like those people singing about the vaccines. I'm sure you remember those. Um, the dancing nurses, uh, the people who were basically idolizing Fauci. Um, and I thought it was really funny, obviously entertaining. So I decided to just start sharing those videos. Um, and I mean, I noticed they were from TikTok and I realized they were libs. So I was just like, Oh, these are, you know, libs of TikTok. And that, that was it. It was, and that's how it was born (laughs) just one day out of the blue. And how long did it take, uh, how long did it take before the the account really kind of caught on? And was going viral consistently, or was it, or was it sort of right away? Because to me, it feels like it, it just, you just kind of popped on the scene and were viral almost immediately. Is that is that how quickly it uh, it, it went? Yeah, literally within a couple months. Um, because I started sharing other types of content. So while I'm on TikTok and I'm trying to find those funny COVID videos, I started seeing these videos of these like teachers who were talking about uh, grooming their students and telling toddlers that they could be another gender. Um, These doctors were bragging about giving surgeries to young people who felt they can be the opposite sex. And I was just like, this is like, really, this is wrong. So I I knew I I wanted to share that. I I didn't think at the time, um, I felt like 
Americans weren't really aware of how bad the situation had become with the the trans movement. So I started sharing those, and that's really when um, it started going really viral. Um, it took it, it took a couple months. It, it was it was pretty quickly. You said that uh, you you back in COVID you couldn't do your job anymore. What what was your job? So I was a real estate agent part time, and then I also worked in an office um, in Brooklyn, and both of those were just shut down. And at this point, I guess for a while now, you've been full-time journalist, essentially, right? Yeah. And th- this, I guess it was uh, over a year ago now when you were first doxxed by, that was the Washington Post, right? That doxxed you initially? Yeah, Taylor Lorenz. Yeah. What was that like behind, behind the scenes? Because you, you know, to go from... Many of us, myself included, of course, have dealt with uh, being, you know, attacked by by the media. But I imagine it's got a, it's, it's it's a sort of different experience when you're anonymous, and then sort of suddenly that's taken away from you in this really malicious um, doxing attempt. So, what was that like for you? Yeah. So, not just was I anonymous for about a year doing this, but me personally, I'm also a very private person. And that's why they they weren't really able to find information or photos of me online, because I never shared that. Um, In my private life, I'm very private. I don't share a lot of personal things. Um, And that's how I grew up. And um, to suddenly become, uh, have my name published in these massive newspapers, it just like, it turned my whole world upside down. Because I never wanted this. I, I mean, I never would have wanted to be famous or to be um, someone who's spoken about in public or in the media. Um, it's not in my nature at all. And um, I will say, though, that probably a couple months or weeks before I was off, I kind of started getting the feeling I'm like, I think I'm like making a difference. And there are some big people who are noticing what I'm doing. So it's probably a matter of time till someone tries to track down who I am. So I kind of was like dreading when that was going to happen. Um, and then of course it, it did, it did happen. Um, and I mean, it was the most chaotic week of my life, obviously. Um, I had to go into hiding. Um, there was also a lot of uncertainty, like were people going to show up to my door? Um, were they going to try to come hurt me? Um, or would they go hurt my family, my parents? Um, what what would they find about me online? Like I, I had no idea what was going to happen. So, um, and of course there was no photos of me until months later. So there was it was like that constant um, like living in suspense. Like what what's the first photo going to be? Are they going to find me? Are they going to find um, pictures of me? Are they going to follow me? Reporters like who knows? So it was it was really scary. Since that time, have you been able to kind of get back to living a somewhat normal life, or has this totally changed? your life on a day-to-day basis? Um, I would say I live a pretty normal life. I, I pretty much do this all day, every day, 24 seven. Um, I, I get recognized sometimes in public, um, but I, I, I don't make a big deal of it. I never, I never tell people who I am until, until, unless someone knows or mentions it. Like I, I don't go around talking about it all the time. So I, I try to, um, I try to live a normal life and kind of separate um, lives a TikTok from my personal life. Have you had any negative uh, in-person interactions with anybody? Anybody that knows who you are, doesn't like you, and yells at you or anything like that? Actually, not really. No. 
Yeah, it's a, it, people think that I have, it, 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 for me it happens, it's happened like, not counting college campuses, it's probably happened three times uh, in my whole career. So it, it's, yeah. which I guess, which just kind of shows you that these people are, you know, cowards, obviously. Right, I was going to say, yeah, they're keyword warriors. And especially, I mean, you go out, like you said, college campuses, there I know there's always a lot of protesting and really hateful people there who are opposed to any kind of other opinions. Um, but I, I've actually never spoken on a college campus. Um, but yeah, I think people have this like notion that, you know, we, we, we go to the store and we're just harassed always. And, and we go, we live our lives and we're just harassed constantly by leftists. But the reality is that these people are cowards. Have you uh, thought about doing any college speaking? I have, yeah. I've gotten, um, I, I've been in touch with a couple different um, organizations and campuses. It just hasn't worked out yet, but I think um, hopefully soon I do plan on doing that. Diversify your savings with physical precious metals while stockpiling silver in your home safe. With Birch Gold Group's most popular special of the year, now through December 22nd, for every $5,000 you spend with Birch Gold, they'll send you a one-ounce silver eagle coin for free. Text Walsh to 989898 to claim your eligibility now. You can purchase gold and silver and have it shipped directly to your home or have Birch Gold's precious metal specials help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold for no money out of pocket. And they'll send you free silver for every $5,000 you purchase. Keep it for yourself or give something with real value as a stocking stuffer this year. Just text the keyword Walsh to 989898998 to claim your eligibility with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Now is the best time to buy gold from Birch Gold. Text Walsh to 989898 and claim your eligibility for free silver on qualifying purchases before December 22nd. That's Walsh to 989898. I think for people, especially someone on the outside, maybe if they're just becoming familiar with you and what you do, they might be surprised that you attract as much vitriol as you do from the left, given that most of what you do is simply you're taking content other people have already posted publicly online, and you're sharing it. It's, it's already been shared, and you're just saying, hey, look at this. Why do you think the, the left views you in particular as such a threat? So there's a few reasons. Um, number one, obviously, they understand and they realize that their views don't hold up to scrutiny. Um, and when you're just sharing it in their own words, like, this is what they themselves are doing. This is what they're saying. These are the beliefs that they hold, um, you know, without really any commentary or opinion. And they they realize that they sound insane. Um, and like I said, they don't hold up. So it's a really big part to them. Um, the other thing is, I I think um, I think there's this the way that most kind of like journalists and and commentators have done things, um, maybe up until recently is I feel like they try to keep it more polite. And this is what I appreciate about you a lot, Matt, as well. I feel like both of us, like, we just don't care what they think of us. Like, we will just say exactly what we want and we'll say it as we see it. Um, we're not afraid to be called names. We're, we're not afraid to be trolled or to troll them. And I think that um, that really bothers them a lot because, like, like they called you like transcript of the year, right? You you won transcript of the year. I was kind of jealous, by the way, but hopefully I'll win it this year. And it's like, and what do they want you to do? Like, 
they want you to just like shut down your operation. Like, I'm so sad. I'm going to cry. I was called transfer of the year. But like, no, we don't respond like that. Like we just hit it right back at them. And I think they're, they're, they're not so used to that. You said, uh, you know, we don't care what, what people say. I'll say for me, certainly at this point and for a while now, that, that is certainly true of me, that I, I quite literally don't care what any of these people say about me at all. Well, that wasn't always the case for me. I mean, I, I think when I first got into any position of like presenting my ideas in public, at first getting dogpiled by people and being accused, called all these names that aren't true, it's like, it did bother me. I think it's, I think it's natural. It's, like, it's a natural human reaction to be bothered when people hate you, um, I think. And for me, it seems like over time, it's just been this, uh, it's just kind of this numbing effect. It just doesn't matter anymore. So have you got, are you, are you that numb now to it? Or did you immediately jump in and you didn't care? Was there any kind of similar process of having to learn not to care Um, what people say? Yeah, I think for a lot of people, there probably is a process of learning how to deal with all the hate. Um, I got over it very, very quickly. Maybe it was unnatural. Um, I guess I just realized right away that these people were insane. I also, like I said, I was never really involved in politics. So I didn't, I'm like, I'm kind of like an outsider. And I just come in, I'm sharing videos and these people are hating on me. And I'm just like, like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't care about you. I don't care what you say. I know what I'm doing is right. And that's just what keeps me, you know, um, motivated and what keeps me, um, what, what enables me to just continue doing it without, um, without thinking of what the haters are going to say and how they're going to react. Do you think that's the health? Because this, this is what I'm always trying to figure out about myself is because uh, what people always ask me, how do you deal with the, how do you deal with all the hate? And I kind of give the answer I just gave. Uh, but I'm not sure it, it's, I don't know. I don't always know what to recommend to other people about, well, how do they deal with it? Because I don't know that simply not caring what anyone thinks is the healthiest psychological state for a human being. There's something about it that feels kind of unhuman. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know how you function these days if you do care, because that will be used against you and you'll be easily manipulated. So do you, is it, what do you say to people when they ask you a similar question? If they, if they ask for a recommendation, like how do they deal with it? What do you tell them? I tell them to ignore it. And if we're being really honest, there obviously are some days that are difficult and there are times where, um, where sometimes it could get to me, which is normal. If, if that wasn't the case, then I wouldn't be human. Um, so I, my policy generally is to ignore them. Um, if there's something like especially egregious, then I'll respond to it. Um, or if it's someone who someone like Taylor the runs, like, I'll never care what she says about me ever <laughs> will never bother me. And I'm always happy to troll her um, and to, and to have back and forth with her on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I would say just ignore it. You know, the holidays are here. And while you're out shopping for your kids, family, and friends, don't forget to shop for your pets too. I know I never do. Give your dog the gift of a healthier and happier life with Rough Greens. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, the founder of Rough Greens, is uh, focused on improving the health of every dog in America. Before I started feeding my dog Rough Greens, I had no idea that dog food is dead food. It contains very little nutritional value. 
Think about it. Nutrition isn't brown, it's green. Let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. Rough Greens is a supplement that contains all the necessary vitamins, mineral, minerals, probiotics, omega oils, digestive enzymes, and antioxidants that your dog needs. You don't have to go out and buy new dog food. Just sprinkle Rough Greens on their food every day. Dog owners everywhere are raving about Rough Greens. It supports healthy joints, improves bad breath, boosts energy levels, and so much more. We are what we eat, and that goes for our dogs, too. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black is so confident Rough Greens will improve your dog's health, he's offering my listeners a free Jumpstart trial bag so your dog can try it. Get a free Jumpstart trial bag delivered straight to your door in just a few business days. Go to roughgreens.com slash Matt or call 844-ROUGH-700. That's R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Matt or call 844-ROUGH-700 today. And when it comes to the things that might, uh, if for me even still, the thing if there is anything that could still bother me a bit, it's, uh, as you say, it's not names or you're a bigot or transphobe. Who cares about that? Uh, but it's when you're accused of something that just simply isn't true, uh, that can still, I think if you're a human being, that bothers you because you value integrity. And when you encounter people who don't have any integrity, it's, it's frustrating, even still, no matter how used to it you are. So on, on that note, you know, you've been blamed, uh, including recently, but many times over for bomb threats and death threats and so on to schools and the hospitals that mutilate kids and, and all that. Um, well, first of all, in, in general, how do you respond to the, to those sorts of accusations? Yeah. So I was just going to bring that up um, because even when they blame us for things that are just completely not true, right? Like just malicious lying. Um, it, it doesn't bother you when it starts getting to the point of, of where it's like, you're, you're getting blamed for this, just like constantly you expect it already, you know, what's going to happen. And, and that's kind of what happened with the bomb threats. The first time I got blamed for bomb threats was over a year ago about, um, that was with Boston children's hospital. And I remember that day, it was actually the day I met with Tucker and I was, I was with Tucker and I was really stressed out and it, it really bothered me because I was like, I, I obviously bomb threats are horrible. Anyone who calls in a bomb threat should be arrested and charged. Um, and I would never, uh, you know, I would never condone any type of violence um, or threat. And I was getting blamed for this threat at a children's hospital. And it was just, it was, it was horrible. And I was, I was feeling, I was feeling very anxious about it. Um, and and obviously now looking back, I realized it was just one of their tactics to try to undermine me, right? And, and to destroy my credibility. Um, because if they're able to kind of frame you as this violent, dangerous person who loves violence and bomb threats, um, then that's how they could try to like censor you, silence you and cancel you. So at this point, um, it does not bother me at all. I mean, they blame me for bomb threats probably weekly or multiple times a week sometimes. Um, and I'm just like, I know what they're doing. Uh, I, I know what their strategy is and it does not bother me in the least bit. I know that I've never called for violence. I know that I've specifically called uh, for these bomb threats to be investigated, for people to be arrested. So, um, you know, the... They can call me whatever they want. They can make up whatever story they want. But at this point, it doesn't bother me at all. Isn't there also kind of a weird almost admission that goes on when uh, the left says, 
Well, you can't talk about this because that's going to lead to bomb threats. It's 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 almost like they're what they are saying is that this thing is so horrific that if you talk about it, it will encourage people to lash out violently, even if you're not encouraging that. I've, I've always found it to be just the the very um, the whole talking point about bomb threats to me kind of carries with it this admission of of the horror of what they're doing, for example, to uh, children in these hospitals. Yeah, and um, in general, the whole like stochastic terrorism thing, the whole charge, um, it just it 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 just makes absolutely no sense um, because they're basically saying you're only allowed to report or discuss certain topics that that we approve of, right? Because if there's if there's anything if if you're discussing something um, that we don't like, then uh, you know there's going to be there's going to be these threats, and then you're not allowed to talk about it. They basically want to preemptively ban you from speaking. Um, and I, I actually spoke about this with a journalist at USA Today. And I asked him, I said, you know, you're going to publish an article about me, how I'm responsible for bomb threats. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get some death threats after that. So is, is that your fault? Uh, and he basically said no. And he was trying to get me to agree to start putting disclaimers on all my tweets saying, please don't call in a bomb threat just because I'm posting about this. And I said, well, will you put a disclaimer in your article not to send me death threats just because you're reporting on me? And he said no. So I I found that to be very telling. Um, And I think, I mean, obviously, no matter how egregious the content is, bomb threats are bad. uh, But they, like you said, like they're not even talking about the content. They're not talking about what led to these bomb threats. By the way, these bomb threats might not, not even be real. I have yet to see, I mean, I think I saw one police report total from all these bomb threats they've laid me on. Um, we filed FOIAs, There's, we haven't gotten anything yet. So uh, when I say bomb threats, it's really in like quotes because we don't even know if they're real. Um, but they, yeah, they, they leave out the context. They leave out, they leave out the content. Like, you know, what was the bomb threat in uh, a reaction to? Uh, but but they, they obviously never show that information. Well, I've got a holiday gift idea that's sure to make you the hero of the season. Now, we all know that the holidays can be a bit hectic. The shopping, cooking, the never-ending list of things to do. But fear not, because I've discovered a gift that's not just thoughtful. It's downright transformative. It's the gift of GenuCell skincare. From now until Christmas, GenuCell's most popular package has a special discount just for my listeners at GenuCell.com Walsh. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the absolute best skincare in the world those troubling forehead wrinkles, fine lines, skin redness, and yes, even a sagging jawline will disappear right before your eyes with GenuCell's most popular collection. GenuCell promises immediate effects. You'll see results in less than 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. You know, GenuCell uh, sent down a, a ton of products for the entire office. I can't even put into words how much better their faces look because of GenuCell. Everyone now disgusts me a little bit less. It's like a Christmas, early Christmas present for me. And you also deserve to look and feel your best this holiday season. So go to GenuCell.com Walsh to get this incredible holiday discount. Every order today is instantly upgraded to free express shipping. That's GenuCell.com Walsh today. And that's a very good, uh, that's a good thing to note that, of course, we're saying bomb threats. Just imagine the air quotes around it because, I, I mean, I will, I'm not saying this is your view. I don't know if it is or not, but I, I will go so far as to say that I'm quite sure in fact, that a large number of them are not coming from uh, the right. And the reason that I know that is, number one, uh, 
the left has a very well-established propensity for faking these kinds of things. And number two, it obviously does not advance uh, the cause, the, the right's cause at all. So, like, of course, morally, calling it a bomb threat is terrible. That's why you shouldn't do it. Also, if you actually are on the right and you're concerned about these things happening to kids, calling in a bomb threat obviously is not going to do anything but hurt your cause. And so you might you might have people that are crazy and stupid enough to do it anyway. But um, yeah, anytime something is happening on, on like a general scale, you have to look at like, well, who does this benefit? And so, well, probably yeah. they have something to do with it if it benefits them. Um, yeah, 100% agreed. So, you know, you seem, moving from there, we're talking about, you know, these hospitals and what they're doing to kids. You seem to focus, like I do, uh, on culture issues, um, trans ideology being one of the big ones. So I know you mentioned when you first got into it, you were kind of, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the content was about COVID. Obviously, that um, we're pretending that never happened now, the COVID lockdowns. But why, why do you focus on, uh, on these issues? Like why, trans ideology in particular, why do you think that that's such an important issue? So for starters, um, when I first started out, there was not really anyone talking about it. I mean, you you were speaking about it. Um, Abigail Schreier had written a book about it, but it wasn't really something that was discussed daily um, in conservative news. And I started seeing it from like the TikTok perspective. And I was absolutely horrified. I mean, I think the shock factor of how far this actually went and how damaging it actually is, uh, that really propelled me to start focusing on it a lot. And the fact that no one in America even seemed to know. So it was kind of like a, it was a, it was a massive shock to me. Um, and like I said, I wasn't into politics before, so this was all new to me. And I was just like, I can't believe this is happening and no one's talking about it. So I started talking about that a lot. And obviously now it's, national conversation, you know, many bills being signed um, all over the country to, to protect children. Um, but I think also if we don't, first of all, it is, it's dangerous. It's, it's physically dangerous. Um, what they're doing to children, obviously mentally, emotionally, they're destroying children. Um, and I think that when it comes to kids, Obviously, we need to do everything we can to protect kids. That's something that everybody agreed on up until a couple of years ago. So, you know, when you're going to come for children, there's going to be backlash. Um, you're not going to be able to get away with it. So um, I, I think a combination of those things uh, really got me to want to focus on it. And then also the future of our country. If, if we don't have, if our next generation is, completely messed up. They're all just confused about their identity. Um, they, they're grooming our kids, they're indoctrinating our kids, they're teaching them to hate America, to hate themselves, to hate everything, to hate whites, to hate the West. Uh, we, we're not going to have a future. We're not going to have a country. And, and that's scary. You point out that it was only a few years ago that uh, there were very few people on the right even talking about this. Uh, I remember that quite, quite vividly. Um, and then you had those on the right that if they did talk about it, it was only to say, only to say that we shouldn't talk about it because it's it's a sideshow distraction. And now that has changed considerably. So how do you how do you assess the state of the culture war when it comes specifically to uh, trans ideology and the trans issue? Do you think that we are? Would you go far enough to say that that, that we're winning 
right now? How, how do you uh, score it? I would say we are more, we're winning more than we're losing. Um, there's so much more work to do. So we're nowhere near done. And we're also, it's not stagnant, right? Because the left keeps making new things up. They're moving the Overton window. So we constantly have to keep up with it. So I think this is going to be a lifelong um, project, a lifelong mission. I don't think, I don't think gender ideology is something that's going to be completely removed from society. I think it's something that's going to require constant work. Um, but I am very hopeful at all the the things we're seeing in America, where there is a bunch of states banning sex change surgeries for minors, um, removing gender ideology from schools, um, banning sexual adult themed shows and public nudity in front of children. So, you know, when that happens, I'm obviously very hopeful, but um, I, I there's I mean, we're nowhere near done. There's so much more to do. What do you think the left gets out of this stuff? Why, why are they so dead set on uh, trans, LGBT? Well, why is it so important to them? I think that they, first of all, they hate America. Um, they hate our values. They hate our tradition. They hate what we were founded on. Um, and I, I always say this. I don't think that they actually have a plan for what happens next. I think that they just are so anti the West that they're going to be anti anything that is um, that is normal, anti anything that is traditional um, and conservative. And they they want destruction and chaos because that's what they thrive off of. Um, and they are doing that through this whole trans agenda. That's what I think. You know, keeping your windshield clean is always a pain. The dirt piles up and washer fluid just can't get the job done. That's where my friends at Windshield Wow come in to save the day. Windshield Wow is an innovative windshield cleaning device that uses two magnetic cleaning paddles, one on the outside and one on the inside of your car, to clean both sides of your windshield, all from the outside. All you do is push around the outside paddle and the inside follows automatically, leaving your windshield squeaky clean. Here in Nashville and many parts of the country, we're starting to get a lot of rain. And with that, you get this hazy and dirty windshield. Well, throw one of these... uh, in the back of your car so you can always have a clean windshield. I personally own a windshield wow, and being able to clean both the front and inside uh, window at the same time is a real game changer. The windshield wow applies firm cleaning pressure and is super thin to get into those tight dashboard areas. What are you waiting for? Go to windshieldwow.com, use code Walsh at checkout for a special discount. That's windshieldwow.com and use code Walsh. You'll often post uh, videos of public school teachers like waving the rainbow flag and stuff like that and um, with a caption that says, this is an ad for homeschooling or this is why you should homeschool. Uh, obviously, most people know I'm, I'm a big advocate for homeschooling myself. Do you, do you think that the public school system, based on everything that you've seen, is it, uh, is it hopelessly broken? Is it salvageable at all at this point? I don't think so. I think it has to be destroyed and rebuilt from the ground. It's like, and, and I always say this as well in all my interviews, it is so much worse than anyone realizes. I mean, I'm like, I'm one person. I have an account. I post a bunch of posts a day. You post about this stuff. There are other accounts that post about it, but we're limited. We, we can't, we can't be sharing every single thing we come across. And I, I have like, 
hundreds of messages from that I couldn't, you know, that I was never able to share from parents across the country. And I obviously do a lot of research into this topic and it is a thousand times worse than anyone even realizes that it's, it's worse than I can ever even have time to discuss and to, and to post about. So I think it has to be completely destroyed. Uh, speaking of things that are fundamentally broken, TikTok itself, you know, obviously you rose to prominence by showing people what's happening on TikTok. And first of all, why, why was this such a revelation to people? Like, why are people still surprised by what you pull from TikTok, given that it's this is a massive platform, one of the biggest in the world, millions of our kids are on it, not my kids, but millions of kids are on it. So, and, and yet what's happening there seems to almost be a secret until, until uh, someone reports on it outside of that platform. Uh, how do you explain that? Um, it, I think it's, it's probably just willful ignorance. Um, I think they're, I think everyone is very well aware of what TikTok is and what it's doing. And um, obviously how I believe it's a, it's a Chinese psyop. Um, it's meant to destroy America, to destroy our youth. Everyone's aware with their algorithms, how they feed anti-American content. Uh, just last week, they, they were um, promoting Osama bin Laden and they made that trend. Uh, where people were justifying 9-11. So I think everyone is very well aware of what TikTok is, um, but they are choosing not to, they are choosing to play dumb and to not address it. How do you, I'm sure you get this question from parents sometimes. I know I get it all the time. Uh, How do you, uh, how would you recommend a parent goes about you know, shielding their kids from this sort of toxic nonsense that they get on platforms like, uh, like TikTok? So I don't have children yet. So I, I don't, I don't know if I feel totally comfortable giving advice, um, to parents, but if I did have children and when I do have children, um, I would, I would not let them have cell phones or social media until they're probably in their late teens. I just don't think there's a reason for it. Um, and Social media, as we see, is destroying children. And what about, do you think TikTok should be banned? Yeah, 100%. What do you say to the counter arguments to that, that it's um, government overreach, so on and so forth? I think it got to a point where it's, it's, actually, it's actually dangerous. Um, and it will actually save lives if it's if it's banned besides for all the security risks obviously i'm not even getting into that um but, but you know the chinese have all our data um but for just for our youth um i think it's it will actually save lives do you think going, going back to the this applies to many of the issues but going back specifically to trans issue for a minute uh, we look at all the kind of delivery mechanisms for this social contagion there's the media, Hollywood, pop culture, you know, uh, the school system, and then social media. Do you think social media is the primary culprit? Like, if social media didn't exist, would we be looking at the same? Would this issue basically not exist? I don't think it wouldn't exist, but I don't think it would be at such a big scale. Um, I think it probably did exist before TikTok. I mean, it, it did exist before TikTok. Uh, it existed. It existed for a while before um, before Instagram really got big and Snapchat. I think it, it did exist and I think it 
it always will. Um, but I think social media just makes it worse. It also gives, I mean, right? Like it gives kids, well, obviously it's a delivery mechanism for these ideas, but it also gives them this whole sort of world, uh, this universe that they kind of have to themselves that their parents are not aware of and don't have access to. It's kind of what I was getting at with the TikTok thing, that it's this massive platform, but most adults aren't on it. And so there's this whole kind of culture uh, on TikTok that kids are participating in and that and that their parents are completely excluded from. Yeah, um, I think, and that's why, like when I have children, I, I mean, who knows what's going to be in 20 years, but I would not allow them to have social media. Um, and I do think though that even without it, the left and these these groomers and activists, they're so they're so vile that they'll find a way. And I mean, just look at the schools, for example. The the stuff I'm posting about had been in schools for a long time. It's just nobody knew because they didn't have TikTok. They're always gonna come after our children. Um, they're always gonna have this agenda. And even in schools, they they are creating that same environment that you were just describing, where they're like, your parents are not here. Um, we have your we have your child's attention for you know however many hours, and we can sort of impart to them whatever message we want. Um, and so with social media, you have that kind of experience just on a phone, but you also have that experience in real life. Our kids are having that experience when they go to school, sometimes when they go to the doctor, um, or any kind of like trust, you know, what they call like a trusted adult, because, you know, these groomers are in, in families. Um, they, they could be anywhere. That's what I, I wrote a book about this. Um, but um, so I think, yeah, I think it will always be there. And social media is just another avenue. Um, and it's definitely making it worse. Well, we're, uh, we're running out of time, but, but thanks for talking to us, but also for all the work that you do. Um, as you know, I think you're one of the uh, most important journalists in the country and have been for, for years now. Um, before you go, how can people, aside from Twitter, obviously, uh, how can people find you and find your work? So we are on livesatiktok.com. Uh, we have some articles there and we have a newsletter. And then I wrote a kid's book, which basically teaches children how to spot uh, red flags from groomer adults who can try to, will try to, you know, cut out the parent um, and confuse your child. And that can be found on lottbook.com. Awesome. Uh, Chaya Reichick. I said it right that time, right? Yeah. There we go. I got yeah, it. Yeah. Good job. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot. Thank you. It was a pleasure.